Happy holidays, everyone. It's the holiday season, and welcome to the Fantastic Comic Fan Podcast, where all month I'll be unwrapping holiday-themed comics and cool things you might want to find under the Christmas tree. I cover comic books from the golden age to now, indie creators, Kickstarter campaigns, and in fact, each episode, you never know what I might cover. So stick around and find a new way to read and discover comic books. It's Wednesday, December 14th, and welcome to the 84th episode of the podcast. And it's another, once again, holiday episode. I've got them jam-packed all month. I've asked some of my favorite guests to come on to talk about their favorite comic book or holiday comics. There's been quite a few, and I hope you check out the podcast and find some other fantastic picks. Today, I am welcoming back Mark Leslie, who was on a few months ago to talk about his Canadian werewolf prose novels which actually has some fun comic book connections. He made a fantastic guess. Mark is also a huge Spider-Man fan, and when I reached out to him to come back onto the podcast, I knew it would be something Spider-related. I think you'll like his pick. It's a cool one. There's links in the show notes to Mark's novels and the first time he was on that podcast. I also hope you go through the feed and check out some of those other holiday picks from past guests. There's some really cool stuff out there. And also in the show notes, you will find a link tree on the Fantastic Comic Fan Podcast. Look it over. Follow us on social media. Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform. I want this podcast to continue to grow and introduce fans to a different way of covering and discovering comic books. Now, on to today's show. Welcome back to the Fantastic Comic Fan Podcast. I have another holiday episode. For fans who haven't been paying attention, I wasn't going to do any Christmas episodes, and I owe the guest a spot that didn't pan through early in the fall. His name is Martin Gray. You can see the show notes for his uh, comic book. He runs a blog, and he's in Scotland. I said, Martin, what do you want to do? And he says, let's do something Christmassy. I'm like, ah. So I reached out to a bunch of my former uh, podcast friends, authors, comic book people, creators to come on in. Mark Leslie has graciously given up some of his Friday afternoons. We're taping this on the 9th of uh, December. Mark is a author, among other things. And I had him last on the episode 57 back in August. And Mark, I guess he enjoyed being on there because he's on here again. And we talked about your Canadian werewolves. Uh, series. So before we talk about your comic book pick for the holidays, why don't you tell the new listeners a little bit about your series and how it actually does connect to comic books? Yeah, of course. Well, yeah, Canadian Werewolf series. Uh, I'm writing book six now, Hex and the City. It's coming out in, in March of 2023. And I'm co-authoring that one just like I did the last book in the series, Lover's Moon. It follows the antics of um, Michael Andrews and, and it's action adventure with humor and Michael Andrews is, like the author himself, a huge fan of Spider-Man. He grew up, you know, uh, weaned on the on the on the Marvel comics of the of the seventies and eighties, and grew up with that sense of responsibility. Because as a as a man who turns into a an actual wolf for ten days of the month, he also inherits some traits and skills and abilities that give him supernatural powers as a human, and he uses those to help people. So that's kind of my 
ode to Stanley's genius, my ode to all of the amazing writers of the Spider-Man comics, particularly. I mean, I was I was huge, a huge reader of this uh, through the 70s and up until the late 80s. And that's usually when university hit and I, I just couldn't afford to buy comics anymore. So, I mean, I still consider myself um, a huge Spider-Man fan. Uh, it's a big part of my identity and and I've incorporated a lot of that. So I've incorporated Spider-Man into that series, but also some of the uh, uh, elements of, of characters like Wolverine or Daredevil, right. With the enhanced sense sensory ability. And so I've had, I had a lot. And, and again, I've incorporated the Hulk or at least the version of the Hulk where uh, Dr. Banner doesn't know, doesn't have any control when the, when the monster is out and michael has those same fears what, what what's going on when i'm a wolf am i doing anything bad i have no idea i have no consciousness of it so i mean yeah i think comic books um dramatically impacted this series yeah i've been reading the series on and off with my other books and even if you're not into comic books you'll still get the whole story and it just if you're a comic book fan it's just layered with a lot of cool easter eggs throughout the whole series now you also do other things. You have this this huge Batman utility belt of skills and things, <laughs> and things all the this stuff. I could spend the whole podcast just talking about your resume, which is on your website. Just tell people some of the other cool stuff that you do besides right. Yeah. Well, I've been uh, in the book industry since 1992, which was the very first year my first story was published, and I've worked in almost every kind of bookstore imaginable. Um, I was at the forefront of uh, digital publishing, self-publishing, print-on-demand, all those things. And and I do work in, in the book industry helping other writers with their writing and publishing goals. So that's another part of, of, of my life and, and, and what I kind of do part-time when I'm not writing. And um, and yeah, I, it's just, um, it rarely feels like I'm working. It feels like I just get to play all the time. And have fun. So Naturally. You chose this time around Marvel Team-Up number one, which has Spider-Man and the Human Torch. And there's been a lot of Spidey uh, Christmas-themed stories out there. Why did you choose this particular one? <laughs> so when we were just chatting about you know uh, comic books and Christmas, I went back to these uh, Marvel Treasury specials, which were these giant, giant format um, um, books. And 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 I've got the 1974 one here in my hands. It was a dollar fifty. So it's 1974. I was five years old when when my my mom obviously bought this for me. And that's the first story in this giant superhero holiday. And it's just such a. I mean, I have probably um ten different comics like this. Uh, again, it was a Spider Man. Uh, Marvel and DC did a Spider Man Superman team up. They yes. did two of them, and yes. I've got both of them, and they were these beautiful. And what kills me is like a dollar fifty for well, this giant. How uh, much? How many pages is in that one? About this is uh, just under a hundred pages, so 98, 90, 98 pages. That's what I thought. Yeah. But, see, newer fans don't understand the love of the Treasury Edition. There were these huge mm. comic books. They were eleven by seventeen, and the earlier ones, like that one, hundred pages for these. That was a bargain for any comic book fan. And later on, DC jumped on that bandwagon and they did the Superman versus Batman. A lot of the uh, yeah. DC stuff was actually original stuff. They did Superman versus Muhammad Ali. There was a Legion of Superhero one where uh, Saturn, Grown, Lightning, Lad got married. 
there was one where it had Superman versus Wonder Woman during the World War II. So these trades were actually pretty fun. Do you know what the first, I bet you don't know this one. Do you know what the first DC treasury was? No. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. I have that one. And I believe I actually it, have that one. That was, and you're right, that was DC. And I believe it came out 50 years ago because I was talking about that with another guy who does a, see, I'm, wow. I'm, see, I, see I get to plug my own podcast and episode. Now I have a guy named Alan Stewart who does a blog called Attack of the 50-Year-Old Comic Books. And we talk about comic books that came out in 50 years ago. Yeah. They were just ending 1972. He's very scholarly, very objective. And somewhere in that fall, that first treasury first came out and it was very, oh, okay. Oh my God. And I, I think I have two of the Rudolph ones, but, but probably, I don't know if it's the first or the second or the third. I don't know which ones they are, but. And the, do you know what the first Marvel DC treasury was? No. Wizard of Oz. Oh my God. Guess what I have. You have the Wizard of Oz. I have the I, Wizard of Oz too. Yeah. It's kind of funny. Like I have a, a stack of them over or on the far side of the room on, on the top of my shelves and. And I mean, it's it's the it was always the Marvel superhero ones that I come back to, and even um, the even at their biggest price point, they were never more than two dollars, right? Until the the you know the late seventies, early eighties. Yeah, what was my mind when you think about it? But but again, back then, I think comics were fifteen cents back then. I think. Yeah, they were. And what was nice about the the Bronze Age is they were doing a lot of experimenting with the big tabloid size. The giant size, the super spectacular yeah. where DC had a hundred page comic books themselves and Marvel experiment with their formats and everything. And this is actually a reprint of a comic book that lasted 150 issues, Marvel team up. It ran yes. from 72 through 1985. And then wow. it was replaced by Web of Spider-Man of all yeah. things. Now you had the human torch in this which is one of the most bankable stars of Marvel, even of the Fantastic Four, because he had his own series for years at Strange Tales. He was the, you know, that. That's right, yeah. And he was some weird thing. He was the first three issues of Marvel team-up. Yeah. And as you know, I like to go through and talk about the creators a little bit. But before I talk about the creators, the title of the story is so cool. It's called Have Yourself a Sandman Little Christmas. That, oh, I love it. That is classic. Um, <laughs> Would you think I was not inspired by Marvel when you look at the titles I know, of mine? I, yes, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's exactly the play on words that I just love. Now, Roy Thomas, right, was the writer yep, of that Roy one? Roy Thomas wrote it. Uh, Ross Andrew did the um, uh, art. Mike Esposito did the inks. And Gil Kane did the cover. Gil, and um, Gil Kane went on to later do Spider-Man uh, Yes. <laughs> see, yeah. Gil Kane... See, one of the things I, I I try to do on the podcast is I try to recognize other artists that just don't get as much spotlight as they should. You know, I think about John Bishema, uh, Marie Severin sometimes, and you know yeah. Kirby, and but Gil Kane is somebody that deserves much more attention. He uh, his contributions were massive. His career spanned all the way from the '40s to the 1990s. He worked for every major company. Yeah. Every character he bounced around. He co-created the modern Green Lantern and even drew that first Hal Jordan. He drew the first 75 issues of that. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, I would, because I actually, um, somebody else, Martin did a Superboy and Gil Kane did some of the art for that. And you can look at a Gil Kane cover and go, that's Gil Kane. Yes. Yeah. And, and uh, he also create, co-created Adam Warlock and Iron Fist with Roy Thomas. What's also cool is that Mike Esposito 
was uh I was you know I'm gonna pause on that. So what do you think about the story overall with Roy Thomas? I'm gonna go back to the creative credits in a minute, but what do you think of the story overall? Did you like so, I mean Yeah, I mean I, I always loved uh the the conflict between uh Spider-Man and the human torch. They always had this sort of they're 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 teenagers, right? So they're butting heads all the time. I love that. What I think I love about this story is the heartwarming aspect where you get to see the human side of the Sandman. And, and it actually has a touching ending where you go, ah, oh, it's not about punching each other out. It's, it's about respecting someone's family. And uh, I mean, wow, that was, that's when I knew it was like some of the early time that I knew that the comic books could, could, could be so much more than just, yay, I'm having fun with some action and adventure. Right. Yes, exactly. You know, and, and Sandman is an interesting character because he's bounced around the Marvel comic books as a bad guy, a good guy. Back, He was in Avengers at one time. Wow. Uh, yeah. So it's people think of, most people think of Sandman to think about the uh, the Spider-Man movies with the Sandman, but the character is so much more complex. And I really yeah. don't think he's around much in the Marvel comic books in a while. But even the Human Torch in Spider-Man doesn't get as much play as it used to because their friendship really started back in the early days of that Silver Age. Oh, yeah. I mean, when he first showed up, right, in Spider-Man yes. number one, he yes. showed up to Fantastic Four to try and get a job. And they, Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And they were bouncing back and forth between, you know, different cameos throughout the years. I believe the Human Torch was actually working on the Spider-Mobile. Remember the Spider-Mobile? I remember that. Yeah, yeah. In the 70s, the, the, yes. the Jeep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, this was written by Roy Tom, which is another writer that gets a lot of attention, but also, in my eyes, doesn't get a lot of attention because he was handpicked by uh, Stan Lee to take over Marvel. He was basically Stan Lee's successor, the second editor in chief. He wasn't for very long, and he wrote a massive amount of comic books, you know, right. and he then he jumped over to DC later on. But his well he also we i think we you and i might have talked about the last time around that roy thomas also uh had the deal with uh the six-armed spider-man stan oh i don't think we talked about that but it was right around in, in spider-man number 100 right yeah. like the yeah yeah because uh stan lee stopped that issue and left that and and i was reading an article i can't remember where it was it was in uh tomorrow's publication where roy thomas was actually interviewing stan lee in the late 90s there was this back and forth and, you know, Dwight's like, thanks, Stan. Appreciate leaving me the, the sixth time Spider-Man to figure out how to do with all that. But he had a lot of, Roy, Roy had Stan's respect over the time, yeah. you know, and he did so many iconic runs even at Marvel. And then the creative team, this was drawn by Ross Andrew and Mike yeah. Esposito. And again, Two names that nobody knows anything about anymore. And I had to go do the research. I had actually forgotten. Uh, Andrews' career also spanned six decades. Wow. He worked for Amazing Spider-Man, Wonder Woman, Flash. He co-created the Metal Men and the Punisher. But his ink... Oh, that's right, Ross. That was during his time. Yes. And, <laughs> and Ross basically had the same inker throughout most of his career. Mike Esposito followed him right. everywhere. Their first creative duo was in 1953 on a DC war book. And war comics aren't at all popular, but a lot of people got to start on war comics. 
and a lot of yeah. creators did stuff. Joe Kubrick did nothing but war comic. And uh, Ross Andrew was one of them guys that actually did a lot of the war comics. He was one of the, them people. Ross Andrew did a, think about this. Ross Andrew did a nine year run on a Wonder Woman back in. Yeah. Until uh, started with 98. That's a long time for somebody to be doing something like that. It was just, just, I, you know, I go through all these, 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 these wonky little yeah. things and go, you know, these creators and everything. <laughs> was there any other Christmas stories inside that treasury edition? Cause I know there was a couple, I don't remember. I know. I think there was yeah, one, you know, I think there yeah, might be one gonna, more. The the Black Widow um, yeah. story was was Christmas. Um, the and only I, other one that seemed I didn't to be even know there was a Black Widow Christmas, and I yeah. I can't imagine Black Widow celebrating Christmas. It just seems so anti <laughs> Natasha. Especially. Yeah, no, it was, it was, and again, it was a very uh, dark story involving suicide, and um, uh, but it was um, that was from the Amazing Adventures, the Inhumans, and the Black Widow was a series I'm not really familiar with at all. I have not read that. It's, that's a. It's in my Marvel Unlimited app that I have not read. Um, the nice thing about the Bronze Age comic books too is that they're all ages books. Anybody can read them. They actually were written for kids. I know that you were, if you were reading Amazing Spider-Man in the '90s and on, there was comic books that came out that there was no way you could ever yeah. give them to a kid. And people go, yeah. why? Why should I read a Bronze Age comic? Why should a person, you tell me, Mark, why should a guy that's just getting into comic books or whatever, why should they read Bronze Age comics? I want well, your I think, I think because, like you said, uh, that they, they are timeless. So adults and 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 younger people can read them. There was a, yeah, yeah, people talk, the interesting thing, people talk about, like, do you have an internal dialogue? Uh, and and there, and there's a and there's a, a meme going out there right now that there are, there are people who don't have an internal dialogue, which seems completely uh foreign to me because and, and some you people get that like, in the, and some people yeah. like me they have more than one internal dialogue going yeah in you've got the thought. narrator and my thoughts yeah. right yeah. and and so one of the things i think for me anyways when i was when i was young is recognizing like there's a lot of internal dialogue in in the thought bubbles and stuff like that and, and it's not that there was an innocence to it because there was a there was a darkness to it. This is New York in the seventies. That was a scary place to be where muggings were popular and all of, you know, the death wish kind of uh, era, but there was just something really enriching. I don't know what it is. I just, even like picking this up after we ch chatted and, and reading through the whole thing and going, Oh, and there's a daredevil story with the submariner and, Oh, I want to see how they, I haven't seen the new black Panther uh, movie, but I want to see how they've interpreted, uh, you know, Namor and 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 there's just so much i don't know there's so much about it that that just um it warms my heart and it it inspires something really powerful in me and, and i know yeah the the spider-man story ends with the human torch and it's the uh peace on earth goodwill to men and all that sort of message but but i always left the comics with with that sense of something there was something bigger here and i got to be a part of it and and that's what the golden age did to me Mark, before you wrap this up, do you have any parting thoughts today? Um, I just think, uh, obviously, uh, picking up a comic book uh, that you may not have read. You talked about G Gil Kane. I think he did Spider-Man 100 yes. as well. As you're right. I think you're picture, right. I can picture his art. When you talked about that, I'm like, yeah, I know the storyline and I know who the artist was. But picking up. So when you realize that these artists, these creators 
who moved from DC to Marvel and moved around and did different types of comics, picking something up that you don't think you would like, but because you maybe like the creator, you like the writer, you like the artist, whatever it was you liked about it, can open up a, a whole world of possibilities for you because you can go, oh my God, so and so did a, a you know a nine issue run or, a, or whatever a two year run on this on this other series, and you can open up a whole world of possibilities for yourself as a reader. Mark Leslie, he does the Canadian Werewolf series. Great set of novels. There'll be links to your books in the show notes. Thank you for joining me for the holiday episode. I wish yours and a happy holiday and a good new year. <laughs> Same to you, Ron. Thanks. Thanks for listening to today's show. And I hope you stick around for future episodes. If you like this podcast, please spread the word. Recommend to other comic fans. Again, I've added a link tree to the show notes. Long easy, easy access to find this podcast on all social media and where you can listen to. Please follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram. I want the podcast to continue to grow and introduce fans to a different way of covering comic books. See you next time.